and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. I have a super awesome announcement. What would you say if I could give you a chance to be mentored by the world's leading international thought leaders, authors, speakers, and change makers? It's time for you to create space for miracles with the launch of the Radical Shift Summit for anyone wanting to experience change in their lives. Commencing on the 9th of October, over an eight-day period, these global gurus will help you understand how to achieve lasting positive transformation and make a quantum leap in life and in business. The summit offers teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, cognitive psychology, medicine, philosophy, and much more. So don't miss out. This summit is an information-packed, intensive course that will help you to understand the complex connection between your mindset and behavior. Make no mistake, this is not just a talk fest. Workshops and presentations are designed with practical everyday life tips that you can easily apply at home, work and in life. And all you have to do is go to www.com radicalshiftsummit.com so it's r-a-d-i-c-a-l-s-h-i-f-t-s-s-u-m-m-i-t.com and grab your free pass now Today we have Carmel Bell, the Metatronic Energy Healer. In her book, When All Else Fails, A Journey into the Heart with Medical Intuition and Metatronic Energy, she explains, at 3.09am on Sunday the 15th of February 2009, Carmel Bell woke up to realise she was dead. She had suffered a cardiac arrest and was clinically dead for 47 minutes before being resuscitated by a team of seven paramedics. While she was out of her body, she hovered like a ghost shuttling back and forth between heaven and her bedroom to check what was happening with her body. In a coma for four days and in intensive care for six weeks, Carmel called in metatronic energy to heal her damaged brain and has now made a full recovery, one that has been hailed a medical miracle. When All Else Fails is the extraordinary story of how Carmel first discovered and was gifted energy by the Archangel Metatron during a near-death experience by the age of four. With great compassion, integrity and humour, she shares the story of how she has worked to heal herself and others using this energetic frequency for the last 25 years. 
Not many people can claim to have visited the borders of death and live to tell the tale in fascinating detail. Enjoy this interview with this remarkable woman, Carmel Bell. So today we have a very special guest for you, Carmel Bell. Welcome to I Am One Project. Thank you, Catherine. I'm, I'm so pleased to be here talking. So we, um, as uh, we were having a bit of a conversation about energy before and exactly what you do and all of that stuff, we, di- we didn't know whether we were able to actually record the, the show because uh, Carmel has this uh, vibrant energy and sometimes it interferes with technology. So um, we have uh, got her on the show. But for our listeners, let's unpack Carmel. Tell us a, bit, a little bit about your story. Which part of the story would you like to know about? The beginning, like from years ago or the most recent? Ooh, what, which story would you like to share with us? Uh, well, I'll, I'll brush through the um, very long ago one. I first discovered my uh, abilities to, to do what I do when I was about four years of age after I um, managed to set myself on fire in the middle of the night and burned to death. And um, I had a really bizarre experience while I was dead. And after I came back, after I was resuscitated and then out of the hospital and so forth, I found that when I looked at people, I could I could hear their, their body like talking to me. It's a weird way to, to describe it. It was just like this knowledge would be inside my head that there was something wrong with them. And um, I remember the first time I did that, my godfather was a doctor and he used to love to visit me. So he came down to where we were living in the country and he came in the front door and he scooped me up and clutched me to his chest and I put my hand over his heart and I said, Uncle Jerry, what's wrong with your heart? And he said, oh, nothing, darling. Well, two weeks later he'd had a massive coronary arrest and died Mm. and um, it kind of went from there where I just started paying more attention to what I was seeing and what I was um, hearing on those waves. I remember I'd lie in bed at night and I'd see these faces appear and they would start to talk to me and for a long time I was very scared about this because Nobody else I knew was doing anything like this. And um, I was a Catholic, so it wasn't really a great look. Mm. That's where it started. So so this is is this obviously just happened, you're, you're sitting there with somebody and you just see it, uh, it just comes to you or um, is it something that you invoke for you to be able to see and tap into that energy? I mean, how does it work for you? Does Is it on well, now, all the uh, time? Now, no, it doesn't stay on all the time. It used to when I was very young and that did literally give me a lot of, of trouble in my life because... I knew when people were lying and um, I struggled. Uh, if they were telling a lie, I, I, I found that intolerable or if they were doing something that they didn't want other people to know about and I could see it and I wouldn't know that it was hidden so I would talk about it. Um, 
and I was, you know, I was curious like every 14, 15, 16-year-old is. I wanted to know and we push boundaries and we explore and all that sort of stuff. But it wasn't until I was in my late 20s and I was running a completely unrelated business to this and I was working as a clairvoyant on the side that um, I told a woman who was having a baby. She was a client. I, I used to design clothing. I was a fashion designer. And uh, this woman came along and I was doing some work on a dress, new dress for her. And I suddenly knew that she was pregnant, but that there was something else in her uterus. Uh, and I couldn't see what it was because I hadn't had that experience and I find that to do the work that I do you actually need a lot of experience you can't rely on spirit to deliver the information you actually need to like unpack all this information into yourself that spirit can access if that makes sense so all I could do was describe to her the best I could that it looked like there was something in her uterus uh, overlapping her baby and she was really frightened and uh, left in a rush and then she came back about oh, a few weeks later and um, she came back specifically to thank me because she went straight from me to her obstetrician quite distressed and they did an ultrasound and discovered that she had this tumour that grows only in women when they're pregnant and it grows with the baby and eventually consumes the baby so she would have given birth to a um, cannibalized dead baby and a big tumor oh, but wow. what they managed to do having been warned because normally they don't discover this um, this was you know about, uh, probably about 1985 um, they opened her up and removed the baby, excised the tumour, put the baby back in, stitched her up. And so it was after all that was done and she had healed sufficiently that she came back to see me. And she eventually gave birth to a healthy baby girl. Oh, wow. And um, she started referring people on to me and uh, and I didn't think too much of that I just kept on going and then when I was in my mid-30s I suppose I decided that every client I got was something to do with health and I needed to focus more on that so I started my own clinic and had other practitioners working there and one day this lady came along booked in for a session and we sat down and started to talk and I started giving her my diagnosis of her energy system and then she said, I want to ask you about my partner and gave me his name and I said, look, I don't normally look. And she said, I really need some help. There's something wrong with him. Can you tell me what's wrong? And I focused on him and immediately I could see that one of his kidneys was failing and I told her that and she thanked me and off she went and the issue was addressed and she started um, – it turned out that this woman was a doctor and she didn't want me to know 
that she was the doctor. She wanted to come along and, and potentially, I suppose, she wanted to tell if I was a fake or if I was uh, trapping people with nonsense. But my diagnosis and description of her boyfriend uh, and his body and what was going on was so accurate that she was blown away and started to refer all her clients to me. And um, from that, more doctors heard about me and more doctors started referring clients to me and coming to see me themselves, even, um, you know, not telling me that they were doctors as they, they tend to do, which didn't particularly bother me. And then I was invited to be a associate member of the Integrative Medical Association of Australia. And... Um, went from there. Wow. So when you opened up your clinic, your clinic was obviously you were a medium or yeah. a, a psychic, but really working with others and healing whatever you could see. I called myself an aura diagnostician because that was the best description I could could give is that I was no longer a clairvoyant. I'd had you know people that I'd trained and they did the sort of the, you know, general is my husband cheating on me nonsense. Um my response always is, if you're asking the question, it doesn't matter if he is or isn't, you think he is, so, you know, be concerned there. Uh, I focused on the health issues, so people would come in who had health issues and, and I would lend myself completely to that. And then I remember uh, probably, well, you know, a year or so after that, my husband came home with a book and he said, look what I just found while I was out and it was actually Carolyn Miss's first book where she described herself as a medical intuitive and I was, you know, quite blown away. I read her book and I could see that we did similar work but um, actually quite different. She's a lot more spiritually focused whereas I'm more physically focused and um, people naturally started to call me medical intuitive from mm. then. So. I got lumbered with the title. Oh, I love it. And, and Carmel, do you think that sometimes uh, not, I mean, uh, if you uh, don't have medical kind of background, do you think there's sometimes interpretation? Because I know that sometimes when you receive information um, from greater source or if you channel information, it really depends on how we interpret the information. Do you feel that sometimes the interpretation is not quite clear enough or you're always bang on with what it is? No, I, I don't think it's not quite clear enough because I have a lot of medical training now. Mm, okay. I have gone to great lengths to study anatomy and physiology and um, medicine and pharmacology and I can hold my own with oh, most wow. medical specialists. But my father is a compounding pharmacist as well as a pharmacist and a psychotherapist. And my mother is a psychologist and my older brother is a neuropsychologist and um, Two or three of my best friends are medical doctors and so forth. So I and my husband is an ambulance officer and um, an ambulance or was an ambulance trainer as well. He's left the profession entirely now. So I was actually surrounded by medical people. Wow! Yeah, absolutely. It runs in the family. 
Yeah, and I could call on like a you know if I get a case that I'm not sure of, I will make notes, make my assessment, pass the information on, and then I will go and research and you know double check it with people. Wow. So how many lives have you saved? Because when you think about it, you're, it's, it's almost like you're tapping into the energy before it forms or, uh, you know, develops into something worse. Yep. Uh, I, I wouldn't know how to, to estimate thousands, I would say. Um, just the people that write to me or, um, come back to see me. I, a lot of people mm. say, I know I get a lot of letters of gratitude. Um, but, you know, I have lost some too. Like, And not because I misdiagnosed or anything, but there was um, – I died eight years ago, just over eight years ago, and that took me offline for about a year and a half. And in that gap, probably two or three of my favourite clients actually had the – audacity to die on me mm. and uh, which was really I mean I say that with tongue in cheek but it was very very distressing that I couldn't um, keep them going. So Karma what do you mean by you died a year and a half ago? Uh, well at around 3.42 in the morning I woke up dead to you know and I found myself standing in my bedroom Really, when I think about it, it's quite humorous. I found myself standing in my bedroom sort of going, oh, I wonder why I'm standing up. That's odd. And, you know, I'm looking around the room and I go, it's dark. That's really bizarre. What am I doing? And last thing I could remember, I was asleep. And then I looked down at my bed and I saw my husband there and I saw him cuddling me. And I was shocked. In fact, it still shocks me, really. Uh, he was cuddling me. So I spent about the next 12 minutes trying to get his attention, like trying to push on his body. And although I could touch him, I couldn't move him, trying to get back into my body. And every time I tried, I would just be thrown back out. And Oh, probably about, as I said, 15 minutes later because it was eventually he woke up and thought to himself that he needed to go to the toilet and, and assumed that that is what woke him up. So he got up and he walked to the toilet without turning on the light and did his stuff. You know, I mean, they always take ages in the middle of the night. And while I'm sort of champing at the bit, he came back and he hopped into bed and I sat down on the end of the bed thinking, that's it, I'm dead, he's never going to notice. And for some reason he said he turned on the light because he thought I was breathing funny and it turns out that I was dead and I was really blue and I was, what they do, um, I was chain stoking where my body was in an automatic function place where uh, the chest is going up and down, but no oxygen is coming in or out. And um, my heart had stopped. So he commenced CPR and then called the ambulance service. And 
from the time that they arrived at my bedside, however long that took, it was 42 minutes before they resuscitated me from from that point on. I think that was uh, five shocks and 12 shots of adrenaline and um, constant CPR. Wow, Carmel, I don't know what to say. I'm sitting here going, so that's twice that's happened to you where you've died and come back to life. Yeah, well, yeah, I've had two minor, what I call minor incidences in between where I have um, died once when I was giving birth to my second son, I hemorrhaged and they had to um, to save my life. I think it took in the end about five litres of blood and some CPR. And um, another time on the operating table when I was having minor surgery, I was meant to be out for, uh, you know, like 10 minutes and um, yeah, I think it was about three hours later that I was back with incredibly sore ribs and everything and my doctor came in and told me that had a little bit of trouble with my heart. So, Well, Carmel, I'm curious, how does it feel like when you pass over? There is no pain. It, the biggest difference, and I've thought about this for so long, particularly since this last episode, every bit of pain that you think you will feel is gone. Like if you are meant to die and you have an accident, say in a car crash and you're going to die, your energy will actually be taken out of your body before your body is dead. So there is no pain uh, in that regard. I would imagine that if somebody was kidnapped and tortured and whatever, the, the those people are deliberately kept alive, so that would be different for them, sadly. Um, but it's cold, and that is one of the biggest differences is that on earth with fellow humans, when we touch each other, you can feel, even if they've got, you know, they've been out in the snow or whatever, you can feel a warmth and energy. Mm. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And when you're dead, you can't feel that. But you can feel other spirits, but it's not solid. So I know when I was in heaven last, I hugged quite a few of the people that I met up there and um, embraced them as, as hard as I could. But at no point did I feel like I was actually hugging a body. I couldn't feel the embrace. I needed to embrace more than I I felt it. Because mm. you've—I mean—I've spoken to quite a few people that have actually I've experienced near death or uh, experienced death, and it's—it's um, it's interesting to—I mean—I find it fascinating because obviously I haven't experienced it, but it's more so that sense of peace, lightness, the energy. It's—it's it's really put it. It's really hard to put it into words. Can I backtrack you there? Yeah. There isn't. A lot of people have that and a lot of people have committed suicide on that basis that when they die or their trouble will be over, well, as a multiple experiencer uh, and, you know, validated, like I'm, I'm amongst one of the longest dead 
people who has recovered, um, validated medically, mm. witnessed, not just on their own statements. Your troubles aren't over, Catherine, when you get to heaven. They don't end. You do not get there and go, whoa, I'm, you know, I'm good now. I don't have that, you know, like that argument with uh, my sister to worry about. Mm. It's all done. Chances are you will worry about that sort of thing more because you you didn't address it. Like one of the worst things people can do in their life is hold a grudge, is not forgive and let go. Sometimes you can't forgive if somebody has really critically hurt you and that level is dependent on, on you. You don't have to let them back into your life, but you do need to consider forgiving at the very least yourself for participating in that. And that may sound crazy to people too. I know I have been down that path at times, but you don't just get to heaven and have everything wiped clean. If you haven't dealt with it here, you still have to deal with it there. And if things are happening, repeating, there's a lesson that you are failing to learn. And hence, I guess that's why they say we come back to relive that life, maybe in a different body, in a different vehicle, yep. to learn that lesson. Again and again. And I do know of souls that have recycled through learning the same lesson over and over again. And they, they I mean, I'm related to a couple, I would say. Yeah. And it, it is really, really hard. And then there are other people who were so good that they get the hardest, hardest lessons and you wonder to yourself, how can this person who is so good be given such a hard lesson? And what I mean by that, for instance, one of my sisters, I'm, I come from a large Catholic family who I, you know, of people that I love dearly, they're all fantastic people, but one of my sisters had children every time I had a baby she had a baby about a year after I did and her first son died when my eldest son was three and a half her son was two and a half mm. and then we both had a second son my son lived and her son lived three hours and then died then I had a third son who was born prematurely and her third son was born even more prematurely and didn't even get out alive. He was born dead. Mm. And then I had a fourth child, my daughter. And when I had my daughter, she announced, oh, no, about six weeks after my daughter was born, she announced to me that she had adopted a daughter, an mm. Australian-born child and my daughter and her daughter through adoption although there's no way you could tell uh you know six weeks apart in age oh wow and um then she had a, another son she adopted another son and i fortunately have not had any more yeah thank god and you know she's one of the most lovely people that i've ever met and she could have let these things that have happened to her turn her inwards and make her bitter. Instead, she was open enough 
to take in other children, you know, granted as babies, and treat them 100% as if they were her children, no questions asked, and to spend her time helping other people who have lost children and, you know, yeah. that to me takes an enormous heart, huge compassion, and to forgive the universe and or God, whatever you call it, for taking her sons from her because I do not know what it's like to lose a child and pray I never, ever do. I I could never begin to imagine, I think, and I don't even want to try. Mm, no, and it's 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 a, it's one of those things that you know you have a choice in life. When these things occur in life, it's what you do with it, and it's the meaning you give it. And she's obviously yeah. turned it around to help others with with what she's experienced, which is quite yeah. honourable when you think about it. But then you're doing the same. If you look at what you've experienced throughout your life and passing over, you're actually helping others either uh, through your psychic ability to heal others um, and, you know, um, and help them, you know, have a longer life. Yes. So during your whole process, like, you know, um, because it's been quite a bit of a journey, what have been some of the lessons along the way? Hmm. Well, I'm trying to think of, the lessons along the way. Some of the lessons have been very not pleasant. Uh, For instance, I I learned a long time ago that not everybody in our field who claimed to be good um, was truly good. They they were um, jealous. Mm. There's a lot of, you know, jealousy and I've always been I've always been a very open person. I have shared my knowledge. I, you know, started up a college so that I could teach other people to be medical intuitives. Uh, I've been passionate about alternative health, but I don't want to wipe off Western medicine. Why? It's great. It saves so many people, myself included. Why wipe it off? Mm. And I have struggled with that, the, the, um, insecurity that there is within the the alternative health profession Um, the other thing that I have learned is that people who have no truck with the alternative health are going to think that you are absolutely insane and that's just something you are going to have to deal with and and that it really pays to maintain your own sense of strength and integrity Mm. because it's really easy to be pushed over sideways and to come back swinging much too hard. Yeah. And, I mean, being a medical intuitive uh, individual is not something you come across often. And, you know, I think it's one of those things that, yes, some people may find it a little bit woo-woo and others really will embrace it, you know. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, you've – uh, help thousands of people and I think it's just been through word of mouth um, and mm. you are going to get those people that are going to, uh, you know, you, you can't please everybody and that's it. I think if you stand in your ground and use your superpower, which is what I call it, you've got a superpower, um, okay. you know, everything will take care of itself. Yeah, and that is that is how I have left it. Um, I, I don't seek to convince people or I, I don't change their mind and I work very hard when, you know, and it's rare, much rarer than it was 
you know, when people like that do confront me, I allow them to have their questions. I'm quite happy to to answer their questions and to not be uh, put off by that at all. I think that people like to to see and feel and touch and taste and test. And what I do is not something that you can touch and taste and test mm. until I run energy into them. Once I start using the Metatronic energy on them, uh, very few people, there are some, but very few people can't feel that and uh, very few people walk away unchanged from that. So when you're saying the the Metatron energy, what do you mean by that? What is that exactly? Well, we have different energy frequencies, uh, which we're all aware of. There's mm. different currencies, electricity and voltage and so forth. Well, it's the same for the human energy field and for universal energy frequencies. And a lot of the healing energies use justifiably the lower tone energy the lower frequencies so what you might equate with say base chakra or sacral chakra or mm. solar chakra energies because they're quite dense and effective but they don't have the capability to repair an organ mm. or help a bone knit or hold a baby in place that is threatening to miscarry that sort of thing the energy that I was given in heaven, and I'm not the only one on this planet that uses it. There's more than me, so Metatron and heaven have had a field day, I'd imagine, uh, is a much lighter energy. It's like the difference between standing under Niagara Fall or uh, getting under your shower. The energy I use is like getting under the shower. And, yeah. and is that associated with Archangel Metatron? Yes. Is that who you work with? Um, well, that that has been one. He has been one of my guides. Mm. I have other guides who are non angels, um, but Metatron has, or I still use guides who are non angels. But Metatron is the frequency mm. that I, use. and he's the bridge between heaven and earth. He's the only angel that had been human and chose, or you know, had been an angel and chose to come and be a human so that. He could experience what it's like to be human. Mm. So, you know, the other thing that we do ask Carmel is for for those that run businesses or entrepreneurs, and obviously you're running, you've got your own medical center. What would be some of those biggest pain points? Because everyone, sorry, I work from Shambhala. Okay, so it's not mine. I'm a I I'm a consultant out of Shambhala, self-employed, but I use. So what would be some of those pain points for you? Because every business and every entrepreneur has a pain point. What would be some of yours or one of yours? I'm not sure what you mean. So pain points is things that sometimes it could be as simple as, um, you know, I, um, uh, for example, my pain points might be that I don't um, know how to recruit the right people or I'm not good at um, uh, social media or I'm, you know, what would be a pain point in your business? Uh it could be as simple as maybe, you know, your pain point in your yep. business is, you know, what people think about your business or the impact the business has on you and your family or that kind of thing. Mm. Well, they, they have changed over the years. Now the biggest pain point I have is actually my web is finding 
somebody who can design a website that actually reflects what I'm trying to say and has all the information on there. Um, initially, it used to be getting people to accept what I did, and my children played, paid the price for that a lot, like, um, for that, so I mm. had to keep my profession very hidden. And um, But I refuse to do that nowadays. It's not my problem anymore. It's other people's. Mm. Uh, so... But I know from observing other people and for the things that I have tried to do, um, it's getting people through the doors is one of one of the most trickiest things to do for, for anybody who works in the alternative industry because I have found that advertising doesn't really help. Mm. It alerts people, but it doesn't it doesn't really help. It's people Hearing about you through programs like this or through a friend or um, through seeing somebody have a successful session that actually helps. And that's something that you just – you cannot pay for. Mm. You know, that's, that is something that you have to have done the hard yards. I would definitely, definitely recommend that anybody who's choosing to go into alternative health – never thinks that they know it all or know enough or are in competition with anybody else, that whatever they have to offer is completely individual. So there is no need to do anything other than help. Mm, it's so true and I always say there's no such thing as competition there's only collaboration because we're all authentic human beings and what you offer somebody else offers it's not the same no yeah so Carmel we love to ask um, a woman of inspiration as we wrap up the show to pick one word that best describes her personal brand so what would be that one word for you inspirational Mm. Love it. And the other thing we ask our woman of inspiration as we wrap up the show is to share three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? Three shiny golden nuggets. Hmm. Do they have to be um, prim? <laughs> well, it, it's kind of advice or… All right. Well, uh, you, you know… know Honey Golden Nuggets is always be polite, have good manners regardless because good manners cost nothing. Mm. And I know that might sound like poor, you know, maybe people will think that's not good business advice, but that is also the best business advice I can give you. Mm. And always Dress well for the occasion. You can never be overdressed. Mm. And remember to pay attention to the dollars and cents. It doesn't mean chase them, but express gratitude for it. I love that last one. And that second one, what you were saying, dress, you know, always, um, I always, uh, for me, I would never leave the house without makeup. That's just who I am. Yep. Because it's like you just never know who you're going to bump into the out in the street. So it's, I have that same belief. You just always dress for success, regardless of where you're going. 
Yes, absolutely. Mm. I always have in in all my time in business, I have always worn, you know, most of my clothes, I'll tell you a secret, have come from op shops mm. over the years or clothes my mother passed down to me that I then altered because we had so many children and, you know, who could afford whatever. But every piece I got was a designer piece or handmade or vintage and it was always impeccably kept. Mm, I love it, love it. So, Carmel, for our listeners, where can they find you? What would be the best place? Shambhala Centre in Port Melbourne. Shambhala Centre. Excellent. Or on my Facebook page uh, or LinkedIn, Twitter, Carmel Bell. But if you go to Facebook, Carmel Bell Medical Intuitive, you will find me there and you can book in if you wish a session through that as well. I'm sure our listeners, after they listen to this interview, they're going to be in touch and because um, I'm sure it will draw an immense curiosity uh, as it did for me. So, Carmel, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your story. Uh, what a story. I'm still sitting here with goosebumps. So thank you so much. Thank you, Catherine. It has been an absolute pleasure. There have been brilliant questions and I have felt so comfortable with you. I think you are an absolutely marvellous person. Oh, you're gorgeous. Thank you so much. Bless you. Bless you too, Catherine. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. If you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care.